Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Amen. Aren't you glad that we serve a faithful God? You know, it doesn't make sense for him to be faithful to us. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. And a just and a righteous God could exact judgment and be just and righteous. But he's more than that. He's a faithful God. He is a loving and kind and merciful and gracious God. The Bible says his mercies, his compassions, they don't fail. And they're new every morning. And that's who he is. Amen. Sometimes, you know, it just seems like God's people, you know, you look around and it feels like, man, are we losing? You ever look around and think, are we losing? Am I the only one who's ever felt that way? Had that moment of, man, what's going on? What's going on in our country? What's going on in the world? What's going on in our families? What's going on over here? You know, God, I don't understand. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who knows the, he declared the end from the beginning. We can read the end of the story right now, and let me just go ahead and give you a spoiler warning. He always wins. He is a good God. He's a gracious God and a merciful God. But the comfort and the faithfulness comes in this knowledge that no matter how things may look right now, when this whole thing wraps up, He is going to win. Amen. I'm glad we serve a real, true, winning and faithful God. Amen. I hope that you've gotten a blessing this morning. I've been blessed by the singing we've heard, by the, the congregational singing. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. From the little children singing about how that, that mountain, when the mountain won't move, God is still there. Amen. I, I need to hear that sometimes. Sometimes I'm looking at a mountain and I'm going, God, why won't you move this thing? Why won't you fix this issue? But you know what? Sometimes he won't, but he'll go with you through that trial. Amen. I'm glad we serve a good, faithful God. Amen. Amen. Brother Sean, you come on up here and get ready. This is Brother Sean Sharp. He is assistant pastor at New Water Baptist Church. He is a good friend of mine. Brother Sean and I, we've been friends for a long time. Hopefully he won't say anything too embarrassing about me up here because I will be back up here later when he's done. So just remember that. Amen. No, I love Brother Sean. And he's preached for y'all a few times, but every time it's been when I couldn't be here. So I'm excited to be here tonight with this morning with him and his family. Uh, his oldest daughter, Hazel, said she wouldn't come, and she didn't like me. She wasn't coming, uh, but we're glad to have Hallie. Amen. She's just a sweetheart. Look, she's just so sweet. She said, no, no, no. She's already punched me in the ribs twice since they've been here, so amen. Come on, Brother Sean. You have your liberty. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. I was excited. Uh, I've got nothing bad to say about Brother Ball. Amen. Uh, he's my friend. Also, he uh, heard wise words one time and said, you never make fun of the guy that gets the mic last, amen? So, uh, uh, wisdom right there, amen? Amen. I appreciate the spirit in this place this morning, amen? Uh, how many of you believe God wants to help his, his children? Yeah. Amen? I don't think he's like a, a mean kid sitting above you that's got something good for you, and if you'll, uh, you'll just do good enough, he might want to bless you. No. Uh, you have a good Heavenly Father that wants to do good for His children, amen. He wants to bless His children, amen. I, I, I know we live in a day of uh, that health and wealth message, but I still believe the God of heaven wants His children to do well, amen. He's a good Heavenly Father, amen. Uh, how many of you fathers would like to see your children do well? Yes, amen. You don't want them to grow up and fail, right? 
Amen, Brother Tim, you don't want your children to fail. No, that would be, <laughs> that would be nonsense. Now, I know the day we're living in, who knows what parents want for their children, right? Uh, but our Heavenly Father is not that way, amen. I do appreciate uh, the singing from uh, the young kids. Man, that had a touch of God on it, amen. Uh, I'm like, Brother Joe, I could sit and listen to the young kids sing about the goodness of God. Uh, and I know they haven't seen all the troubles you've seen. And that's what makes it all that much more pure, amen. Uh, they've got an unfailing faith in their Lord, amen. Uh, and, uh, man, I wish I was more like them sometimes, amen. Uh, amen, I appreciate that. And the choir singing, uh, Brother Paul singing as well. He's always uh, a good friend of mine, as he already said. And uh, I appreciate the touch of God uh, on all the singing and all that's been done. And I, uh, to be honest with you, I had this thought before I came up here. I thought, Lord, uh, don't let me kill this meeting. Lord, do not let me train wreck this. Uh, I do not want to do that, amen. And uh, I'll be honest with you, for a little while it may seem like I'm doing just that, amen. Uh, we're going to deal with an issue that is a significant issue in the day we live in. And uh, to be honest with you, I really want to finish, I want to finish with Jesus, amen. And uh, I think if we can end there, we'll end well, amen. And I think that's the goal of everything. Amen. So Isaiah chapter number 14 this morning, uh, we'll begin in verse number 12, Isaiah chapter number 14. Uh, as you get into the book of Isaiah, uh, I'll be honest with you, Isaiah seems kind of like that mean old preacher. He spends uh, essentially those first five chapters uh, dealing with the sins of Israel. And uh, though there are points of emphasis that he has put in there in chapter 1, he said, though your sins be as scarlet, uh, they shall be white as snow, right? And we thank God that uh, he is able to do exactly that, amen, to make uh, the sins of mankind white through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I still believe it takes the blood to cleanse a sinner's sins. Amen. Uh, that was the, It took every drop of blood of the Son of God on Mount Calvary to pay for your atonement. Amen. Uh, I don't believe it was just one drop. I believe it was every bit of it. And He did exactly that uh, so that you might have the opportunity to be born again uh, because of outside of that, uh, there is no hope in mankind. Amen. You had no avenue, no, uh, no chance of being righteous. You, are, uh, you were uh, a sinner, sick and undone in sin, and there was no hope. And uh, the prophet Isaiah said exactly those things uh, to the nation of Israel because of their sins. But as he gets to chapter 6, uh, you see kind of a change somewhat as he comes into a, a throne room and sees the Son of God seated on a throne on high. And, and to be honest with you, a glimpse of glory in Jesus Christ Christ will change a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's hearts. Amen. Uh, you know the problem with many Christians in the day we live in? Uh, you haven't been close enough to Jesus to see Him. Amen. Uh, you got your eyes fixated on the things in the world and everything uh, that's happening and uh, Fox News is on TV all the time uh, or whatever your brand of uh, news is. And to be honest with you, if that is all that you ever see in this life, you're going to live a depressed, sorrowful life and it's going to feel like everything everything's just falling apart, amen, because that's what this world pushes, amen. They want all that's good to fall apart, amen. Can I tell you, God's still sitting on a throne this morning. Amen. I know, I know our government's in shambles and it's a train wreck and uh, things look bad, uh, but there's a God sitting on a throne this morning uh, who's still in control of all these things, and that's what you find in Isaiah chapter number 6. And as he goes on, he begins to give them uh, some hope in the midst of their sorrow as he uh, goes through those next few chapters and begins to uh, show them what that kingdom of God is going to look like in those days and how that the Son of God is going to rule and reign with a rod of iron and how that He is going to take care of His children in that day. Amen. That's a good message. But as you get to chapter 13 through chapter 23, what you find is that God turns His, uh, his sights and He begins to deal with the adversaries of the nation of Israel. Uh, he deals with Babylon and uh, even the adversary Satan that we'll look at here in a few moments. And He goes on to Moab and Egypt and these other uh, 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 Tyre and these other adversaries that were always an enemy to the nation of Israel. And in chapter number 14, I realize it begins talking about Babylon 
Babylon. Uh, but what you'll find is uh, that there is somewhat of a transition in verse number 12 as it begins to look at uh, uh, who we would know as our adversary, Satan, Lucifer, that old serpent, uh, the dragon, that one uh, that we've all grown to hate. Amen. Uh, uh, you say it's not right to hate anybody. Uh, can I tell you, he's never done anything good for you. Amen. Uh, all he wishes and wills for your life is death and destruction and loss and pain and suffering and all these things. And to be honest with you, outside of Jesus Christ, that's exactly what lost people have. That's all you have. You don't have good. Amen. You've got nothing. And when you die, all you'll have is hell. And I don't say that boastfully. I say it sorrowfully. Because there's something much better than that available to each and every sinner this morning. In verse number 12 of Isaiah 14, uh, we'll read a few verses here. We'll read down through verse number 17. Uh, you say, I don't know where we're going to get Jesus out of this. Uh, just hold tight. We'll get there. Amen. Verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying... Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer quick. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, do appreciate, uh, Lord, your touch upon this place this morning, Lord. I don't ever want to become... Uh, ungrateful or unthankful for, uh, for seeing you move in a church service, Lord. I fully realize uh, that we're not uh, deserving of the goodness that you've given to us, and yet, Father, you've done it again. You showed up uh, in the midst of a service, Lord, and Father, I pray uh, that as I stand to preach your word, you'd guide my thoughts, my mind. Help me Lord, to preach your word as you would have it, Father. I pray, uh, Lord, that as I do so, that you would do a work in the hearts of man, uh, men, women, boys, and girls, Father. I, I ask, Father, that you do that which I cannot. I can't help these people. But, Lord, I do believe you can, Father. And I ask for you to do uh, exactly that this morning, Lord. Help your children. Uh, if there be any sinner here that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, I pray, uh, Lord, that that spirit of conviction would fall on their hearts, Lord, and that you would uh, woo and draw them to you, Father. I pray that you'd make hell real to them this morning, Lord. We need you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not often that we get a, a clear perspective of our adversary in the Scriptures, we realize that the first time we find him in the Bible is Genesis chapter number 3 uh, as he begins to lead uh, Eve uh, astray and Adam uh, uh, bringing the, uh, the downfall of mankind uh, through the sin uh, of disobedience. Amen. It is uh, there that we find him, but... He is consistently a problem uh, throughout our Bible. Amen. We find him in Isaiah chapter 14, and we begin to see uh, how he was in his beginning. Amen. Uh, even in uh, Ezekiel chapter number 28, we see how that he was a musical creature, how that he was, uh, a, 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 in his intent uh, in creation was uh, that he was around the throne of God, and he was to, uh, to, uh, to glorify God in the throne room of God. Uh, but what we find is this, uh, that there was a problem in the heart of Lucifer, uh, that there was something in him uh, that was an issue, amen. Uh, and can I say this, uh, not to get too far ahead of myself, uh, the issue of Satan was pride. That's what it was. It was the sin of pride. And what you'll find is this, uh, that pride is a consistent, uh, creates a consistent downfall in each and every one's life. Amen. It's a problem each and every one of us have to deal with. And it's a consistent problem when you see this, this our adversary, our enemy, if I could say it that way. And it is a problem uh, that I believe this, that each and every sin that you find uh, in, your, uh, in your King James Bible, uh, that it can be traced back to the roots of pride in some form or fashion. 
That pride is a destructive force. That it tears apart. That it breaks down. Amen. Pride, not, uh, not in the way, well, I guess it could be somewhat in the way uh, that men use it in our nation today with uh, how that they claim that they have a month of pride. God help us. Pride is destructive, and you see that in each and every facet of the world today. But for a few moments, I'd like to preach on this thought, from prison to the prince. Let's look, number one, we'll look at the loftiness of pride beginning uh, in verse number 12. We'll see, A, his beginning. In verse number 12, he said this, he said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, Lucifer, as defined by name, is a shining one. He is one uh, who had the intention of being, as already said, in the throne room of God and giving glory to God. That was the point of his creation. I, I believe you could go to Ezekiel 28 and you could look at all the stones that were uh, uh, given to him to uh, help and to use uh, in the glorifying of God himself. And what you find is this, there is an issue that happens with Satan. Uh, there is something that happens in his heart. And what you'll find is this. Uh, and you'll see it in verse 13. He said, For thy sin in thine heart. And it's often the place uh, that you find the sin of pride beginning that it begins in the heart. Amen. Uh, that it's something uh, that we don't see that Satan ever outwardly says. But what we know is that God can see into his heart. And by the way, it's the same way for you. Amen. I know that man looketh on the outward appearance. Amen. Uh, but God looks on your heart and he knows what's on the inside of you and he knows what drives you and he knows why you do what you do whether it's for the glory of God or whether it's for your own glory God can see your heart and that ought to be a humbling truth amen the fact that the God of heaven can read you your mail at any moment should not lift you up in pride it should humble you amen it's a humbling thought that the God of heaven, He knows exactly the details of your heart. By the way, you don't even know the details of your heart. It's deceitful. Desperately wicked. The words of your King James Bible are, who can know it? Who can know it? That's what you see uh, in verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart his beginning. It was a lofty beginning. Uh, he was placed uh, around the throne of God and he was uh, intended to give glory to God. And may I say this, there was no better purpose uh, for this individual than what he was created to do. By the way, there's no better purpose than for you to live your life for God as well. Amen? What you see is what happens when an individual becomes overwhelmed with themselves. And we see that in men and women each and every day, don't we? A life lived for self is a life lost. Amen? We see his beginning and how lofty it was. Uh, but next, let's look at the second half of verse number 12, and we'll look at his banishment. He said this, uh, the prophet uh, preaching to the nation of Israel, he said, uh, How art thou cut down? To the ground. It is a significant thing that we know uh, that the, uh, the Lord Himself would cast Satan out of heaven. Uh, you say, is He cast out forever? Uh, just for a time, for we know from the book of Job how that He has gone forth uh, to bring railing accusations against uh, God's people uh, to the Lord Himself. Uh, that's what He did in the days of Job. Uh, for the Lord talking to Him said, Hast thou not considered my servant Job, right? Uh, we've read that book, and oftentimes, I, I believe if you're being honest, you wondered, Lord, why'd you even bring him up? Right? Have you ever thought that? You thought, Lord, if you never brought him up, he'd have never known it. Satan's not all-knowing. I don't know if you know that. He's also not all-powerful. And he's not everywhere. Amen? You know who is? God is. Amen. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. That's our God that we serve. Amen. Satan is nothing more than a created being who has failed in his purpose of, of glorifying God. And yet what you find here, he says, how art thou cut down to the ground? To be honest with you, the only way this could happen is for God to cast him out because he saw the sin in the heart of Satan. You say, how do you know this? Let's look at a few verses 
I want you to understand this morning that judgment on sin is sure. Sin will be judged. And I'll say it this way, it may not happen when you think it should happen. But we do serve a righteous God. Who, Brother Paul, as he stated a moment ago, he is a merciful God as well. In Psalms chapter number 19, verses 12 and 13, I want to look here uh, and we'll read this. He said this, the psalmist David, he said, who can understand his errors? Talking about himself. He said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. He said, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. It is interesting that in my daily Bible reading, and I guess as a commercial, as I uh, say this, you ought to read your Bible every day. Amen. 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 the people in our church say this, and I always talk about reading your Bible. Uh, t- to be honest with you, uh, one of the greatest failures in uh, Christianity in our day is people don't pray enough and pre- people don't read their Bible enough. Amen. Amen. There's your commercial. That's free. Amen. <laughs> Moving along. In my daily, read- uh, daily reading, I came across this phrase, the great transgression. It is an interesting transgression as you, uh, you really think about sin. Uh, we think about sin as, uh, you know, God, uh, God hated sin enough uh, that He crucified His only begotten Son uh, for the sins that He, didn't ever, that he never committed, uh, nor was He a part of, and yet He gave His only begotten Son uh, so that man might be redeemed and brought back into fellowship with Him. And so it is interesting that uh, David, as he's written down in Psalms 19, that he has penned these words, uh, that, there, that he shall be innocent from the great transgression. And so uh, we have this understanding uh, that there is a transgression uh, that David, at least in his eyes, and uh, clearly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this, this transgression is great. Meaning this, that it's, it's high. It's, it's important. It's a great problem. It's significant. And so I began to look at this and uh, to break down what is this sin, this transgression that he claims was so great. And as you go through verse number 13, even in verse 12, he said this, uh, cleanse thou me from secret faults. And so we understand this, uh, that this is a, a, a sin that is a problem. It is a, a secret. And if we think back to Satan, how that this pride began in his heart and how that it was never spoken out, how we began to get, get an insight uh, concerning this sin of pride. As it goes on in verse 13 of uh, Psalms 19, he said, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Presumptuous is defined as this. Bold and confident to excess. It's arrogant, insolent, unduly confident. Notice this, it's irreverent with respect to sacred things. Can I tell you what I believe the great transgression is? I believe the great transgression of Psalms chapter number 19 is the original transgression. You say, what is that? It's pride. The great transgression is the original transgression. And I'll tell you this morning, you're never more like our adversary Satan than when you're full of pride. It's a troublesome place to be in. Amen? It's a bothersome place to be in. And each and every one of us have to deal with it. It's a problem for all of us. We all think highly of ourselves. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Each and every one of us think highly of themselves. You want to know why? Uh, uh, we'll take it this way. Uh, how many of you, when you go out to eat, you just eat just enough? Who ever heard of such, right? <laughs> uh, how many of you just go and uh, uh, you get just the necessary amount of food? Brother Paul and myself, uh, I would say he more than I, uh, a connoisseur of food. Amen? Amen. When, we, when I get together with your pastor, he took me to a Mexican restaurant here not too long ago. I have since been back to uh, said Mexican restaurant uh, and have greatly enjoyed each and every bite that I've taken in that place. Amen? Excessive amounts. 
excessive amounts. Amen. You say, what are you getting at? We treat ourselves. Amen. I don't treat myself like I think lowly of myself. Amen. We think very high of ourselves. Brother Tim talking about those, uh, those uh, disputes or troubles that we have, uh, and he said of himself uh, that, uh, that if he's not careful, uh, he has trouble with wanting to be right. Can I tell you this? You had the same problem. Amen. If you didn't have that problem, you'd never have an argument. Amen. We all want to be right. Amen. Uh, it's amazing what, uh, how many avenues an individual will go down to be right sometimes. Amen. Uh, it, <laughs> you ever thought this? Uh, there are some people that will go down so many avenues, they don't care how many bridges they have to burn as long as they're right and win this argument. I know those individuals. Yeah, don't bother because it'll never end. What you find is that the problem we have is that we're full of pride. We saw his beginning, his banishment in verse 12. At the last part of verse number 12, let's look at his betrayal. He said this, which did weaken the nations. Can I tell you, Satan's never done anything good. There's nothing good that has come from that individual. He's... He's not fulfilled His purpose in giving glory to God. He's worked to tear down mankind and to break down man. He doesn't have your best interests at heart. As a matter of fact, as you look at this, He said this, He said, which didst weaken the nations. And so you see, He is a consistent adversary, not just to, uh, to uh, God's people, but He is a consistent adversary uh, to mankind in general, how that He desires to break them down. Uh, even to the place uh, that when you get to verse number 17, that He says this, uh, that He has a house of prisoners. He has a house of prisoners. And I wonder this morning how many are stuck in that house. We saw, number one, the loftiness of pride. Let's look, number two, at the loss of pride. Uh, we'll look at a list of his unachievable accomplishments that he desired to have. As you get into verse number 13, he said this, he said, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit up also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Can I tell you the problem with verses 13 and 14? It's I. Satan full of himself. As this list of unachievable accomplishments, he see, we see an illogical ascension in verse 13. He said this, he said, I will ascend into heaven. I often thought this, I wonder by what power he would accomplish such a feat. What power is he ha does he have that he is going to accomplish such a feat to approach the throne of God uh, to go up into heaven? For we know that he's already been cast down from that place. Uh, this is an illogical ascension. Uh, and, but we understand this. Uh, he is an illogical being. Amen. He thinks foolishly of himself. You say, how do you know this? 2 Thessalonians chapter, four and verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse number 4 says this. He said, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. And so Satan's idea is this, that he is above God. And we look down on that. But to be honest with you, many men think the same thing. You say, how do you know? Because you sit on the throne of your life. You know how your life goes? It goes by how you dictate it. Can I tell you that's not supposed to be the life of a Christian? Amen? We are supposed to do what we are told. I believe that's the actions of a steward. A steward is one uh, that has been given something and they have been entrusted with a, 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 an idea or a plan or a service, if you will, and they are supposed to accomplish said service. And to do so, and to not do so is failure. We see an illogical ascension. Let's look at an imaginative attainment. In verse number 13, he said this, 
He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. You ever think, I wonder why he's got it out for God so bad. For without God, he is nothing. He's not created. He is nothing. But his idea is that I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. His intent is to be above God. That's what he said in uh, 2 Thessalonians, uh, that, he is a, uh, that his desire is to exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Because that's his intent at the end of the day. He wants to be above God and he desires worship. And he'll get none of those things. In imaginative attainment, he said this, he said, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This individual, I realize in the book of Revelation, as you get to that tribulation period and that great tribulation, is going to be in a place in which he does sit on a throne on this earth for a short time. You'll merely see those seven years and how that he is, uh, how that this earth is going to go with his rule. Utterly destructive. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians 2, he said this, he said, So that he, talking about Satan, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that's what you find of Satan during that tribulation period. How that he is sitting on a throne, showing himself to be as God. You say, that's ridiculous. You're exactly right. But it happens when an individual is as full of pride as this individual is. Let's look at the illusion of authority in verse 14. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He said, I will be like the most high. And can I tell you the fact of the matter is this. None of these things will ever come to pass. These things never come to pass. But that's not what his heart tells him. And can I tell you the issue with pride in many individuals? They'll never get the desires of their heart, but that's not what your heart tells you, is it? The problem is that there we see thirdly the loser of pride. The problem is this. Pride is deceptive. That it makes you full of yourself. And in first, uh, verse 15, he says this. We look at the reality. He says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. The, rea the reality is this. Destruction's coming upon this adversary. And it's sure, and it's as good as done. In verses 16 and 17, let's look at the resentment. I thought this when I got this message together. I thought... When you preach on pride, nobody likes that. Nobody likes your pride to be hit on. We think well of ourselves, amen? It's still a sin that God hates. I still believe it's the great transgression. Verse 16, let's look at uh, our resentment. They said this, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed cities thereof. Is this the individual that did all this? Is this the one that's brought all this destruction? Is this the individual that's caused all the pain and all the suffering? And the answers to these questions are yes. This is the individual that has brought about all these things. I fully realize that in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Eve made the decision to partake of the fruit. Adam also made the decision to partake of the fruit. And it plunged man into depravity and uh, into sin. Uh, and it brought about the need for a Savior. But the fact of the matter is this, uh, that there was a serpent in that garden uh, that was the problem. Amen. And I fully realize 
realize uh, that He is the issue. And as we look at Him in verses 16 and 17, what the men uh, began to say is this, is this the problem uh, that has been an issue for all these ages of mankind? And the answer is yes. Uh, but what you see now is that He's a weak individual and He's come under the judgment of God. And God is going to put Him in His place. But what I really want to look at is this. The prison house of Satan. And at the conclusion, let's look at the retribution in verse 17, the second half, he said this, he said, that open not the house of his prisoners. Can I tell you, I'm not sure this morning whether it's Satan's power that doesn't open this prison or whether it's the power of the product that he is pandering. But he has no intentions of releasing his captives. He has no intention of letting you out of your sins. Amen? How many of you have noticed that in the day we live in, how convenient sin is? Amen. Uh, I believe uh, if I were to ask this question, how many of you in here have a, uh, a smartphone or a, a device in your pockets uh, that is capable of accessing the Internet? Nearly every one of us would. Can I tell you how dangerous the Internet is in our day? Amen. Kids, that's safari. I don't even know if they teach you about the internet today. Amen. Uh, or uh, Google search or whatever, uh, whatever you want to look at in the day we live in. Amen. Uh, I went to school a few years ago. Amen. Amen. It's been a few years. Uh, got to the point this year uh, where I've been out of school as long as I was in school. How did that happen? Those first 18 years took forever. Those last 18 flew by. Really, Tim? I don't know. Uh, uh, if you could point me to the store where you buy time, that'd be great. Amen. I'd just buy some more time and we can make this pass. Uh, but as you look at these things, uh, we have to understand how, uh, how convenient sin is in our day. How far do you have to go? And to be honest with you, I work in this area, so I know. Uh, how far do you have to go to get to a liquor store? Not very far. The end of this road, Circle K. A left in a place that used to be an ice cream shop, Brother Tim, we went there, is now a liquor store. Shepherdsville's covered with them. Amen? With the, uh, the, the push lately, uh, that won't be the end uh, of those, uh, those sinful needs with the push of drugs. Amen? I know they're just pushing marijuana. Are we ignorant? It doesn't stop there. Has it ever stopped? Has sin ever been content with one thing? Has it ever been content with just having a little bit? No, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And it, it, what it does is it brings you into captivity and it makes you a, a prisoner to its wills. Amen. That's what sin does and that's what our adversary does as he talks about this prison house and how that he would not open the doors of that house. And can I tell you, the people that are in this prison are all around us. I dare say there are even people here this morning. You're a captive to your sins. You're a captive to them. And I don't say that uh, looking down on you. We all were at one point. We all were. That's how sin works, amen? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and so it begins small. How many of your kids, when they began to tell lies, amen, because all of our kids have told lies? Amen? Some of uh, mine continue. He's not looking at me because he didn't hear me, amen? Amen. <laughs> All of our kids told lies. By the way, so did you. Amen. Before we look uh, uh, down on everybody else, amen, my kids, they don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe they're newly born. They probably haven't lied then. Amen. Amen. But there's been times where uh, uh, they've been screaming, even at that age, and then you walk in there, and you don't do anything, and yet they quit crying. Liar. 
You didn't need nothing. You just wanted attention. Amen. But those lies that our kids tell, they're small lies. Did you get that cookie out of the cookie jar after I told you not to? No. Cookie all over their face. Right? Now, you know you did it too. But it starts small. Can I tell you the sins that we're seeing on TV aren't small anymore? They're not small. The ones that are tearing apart homes, they're not small. The adulterous affairs that are happening all over our nation, they're not small. Amen. The dabbling, the things that are being taught in our schools, these sins are not small anymore. Amen. These things that are tearing apart, what we're seeing is we're seeing the prison house get built bigger. It's growing. The cells are full. And he says this, he says that he would not open the house of his prisoners. He's not going to. That's the best place that he wants for you. The destructiveness of your sins. To tear you apart limb by limb. You know what he wants for your family? He wants you split. Husband and wife. Can I tell you what he wants for you parents? He wants your children gone placed in care of another individual that will drive them towards sin. You say, that's harsh. It's reality. He wants nothing good for you. Further than that, He has nothing good for you. Amen? It's not the three hots and a cot in there. It's destruction. Every time. Sin brings forth what? James said it brings forth death. And he won't quit until it kills you or kills everything you love. Welcome to the captivity of our adversary. That's what he wants for your life. And that's what he'll give you as your payment. Can I tell you this? This morning, you'll never get out of sin what you thought you were going to get. It doesn't pay well. It'll cost you far more than you're willing to pay. Take you far, farther than you're willing to go. And it'll keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And if it had ended there, what a terrible, terrible place to live. Amen? Sin is not pleasurable. I understand that they said they're pleasure in sin for a season. But seasons end. And they don't last long. It's interesting to me that as you get later on in the book of Isaiah, that we once again find this term of an individual who is able to recover those who are captive. You'll find it in Isaiah 61.1, but I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 4 in which our Lord Jesus quotes it Himself. In Luke 4.18 and 19, He said this, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if you'll remember, He was in the, uh, the temple and uh, they had brought the, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament to Him. As He began to read this, uh, He started at verse number 18, uh, or He began with this Luke 61.1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at, at liberty them that are bruised. He said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so what you begin to see is that there is a way, there is an, uh, an avenue in which we are able to escape the prison house of Satan. And it's not through Satan's power, and it's not through his abilities, uh, but it's through the Son of God. It's a better prince, one who came, that gave his life uh, for the sins of man. Mankind, and so that they might be redeemed. And he said this to deliver the captives. And that's exactly what Satan or what Jesus is doing. And he is rescuing mankind. And he's been doing it for the last 2,000 years to bring men out of their sins, to bring back together homes that are distraught, and to redeem houses and individuals. Can I tell you, 
That's what your Lord wants to do for you. He wants to deliver the captives. For some in here, that, began, uh, that must begin with being born again. You must be born again. In John 3, 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, He said this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen, buddy. You can say amen right there. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And can I say this? If you don't get saved, you will go to hell. Inevitable. If you are not born again by the time you leave this life, there is no hope for you. By the way, you're also not promised tomorrow. Now is the time of salvation. Now, God puts that pressure on mankind. It's available now. You should deal with it now. Not tomorrow. Not later. You must be born again. I fully understand that the captivity of Satan, that he has zero desire to let you free. But the fact of the matter is this, he has no power over Jesus Christ. He has no control over him. I know he thought he won 2,000 years ago on Calvary. He couldn't have been more wrong, Brother Tim. Amen. It was the exact plan of God to bring mankind back into fellowship with Himself and to redeem man from their sins. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He said, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so we get to this place. There are individuals that need to be born again. But I wonder what about those who have been saved? And yet you've let those entanglements of sin into your life. Those troublesome uh, thorns or uh, uh, often think of Jumanji when the vines come in. And they surround everything and just encapsulate it and try to pull everybody into another uh, into the game. I think that's just like sin. That it wants to grasp you. And that it wants to pull you back in. There's no doubt in my mind that there are individuals that have been born again sitting in this church service. That if we could see into your heart, It'd be an awful sight. By the way, if you could see into most hearts, if <laughs> I say most, if you could see into all hearts, you wouldn't sit beside the person you're sitting next to. Amen. It'd give you a different view. But the problem is they wouldn't want to sit beside you either. And these entanglements of sin, they're common in the day we live in. Can I tell you they're not supposed to be? As Christians, we're not supposed to be the individuals that dabble in sin. In Romans 6.12, he said this, he said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Can I tell you what Romans 6 is put there for? Romans 6 is there because you've been born again by Romans 6. And when you get to Romans chapter number 6, what he's saying is this, sin no longer has dominion over your life if you've been born again. If you've been saved, it doesn't have rule over your life. So it only has as much power as you allow it. And he said this, let it not reign in your mortal body. Can I tell you the problem why many let it reign? It's this great transgression. It's this pride. I deserve that. 
I deserve that. And so you allow, you allow that sin in your life. The problem is, is it doesn't end there, Brother Tim. It grows. And if you know anything about leaven, leaven grows quickly. And it multiplies. And it'll get out of your control unless you deal with sin. How do you deal with it? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Can I tell you one of the greatest avenues for you to humble yourself is this book you carry around. Can I tell you it's got a very fine mirror to allow you to look at yourself, to see yourself as you are, and to reveal you for what you are. I often wonder if that isn't why they lay dormant so often. Because you don't like what you see when you read this. Because if you open this book and you read it and you allow it to speak to you, it'll do some damage on your flesh. And it'll have an effect on your life, on your home. But if it remains shut, it's not getting the job done. That sin of pride, the problems that it can create. Can I tell you, if you're a captive this morning, you don't have to remain that way. You can be freed. I believe the old song said this, He set me free. He set me free. It wasn't me. It was Him. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.